Welcome to Coached Soul, a podcast for a better you. Your host, Steve Hudgens, is a licensed professional counselor, and your co-host, Julia Canton, is a therapeutic coach. Together, they discuss various topics, providing a different perspective on life and insight that you are not alone. On a non-emergency basis, you may contact them at area code 918-280-8690 or coachsoul.com to provide them with new topics, feedback, or to request an appearance on the show. And now, here's your host, Steve Hudgens. Welcome back. What a great week it's been for me. I definitely enjoy the weather of spring. It may be wet, but I just enjoy flowers on the ground and in the trees. One of my favorite when I lived in Japan was the cherry blossoms. I loved the smell of the cherry blossom trees. I just became so attached to the smell of Japan that, and I noticed I said the word attachment because that's a great segue. And Unfortunately, Julie had to detach this week due to some personal reasons, and that's okay. Hopefully, she'll join us here in the future. Do you ever have this favorite toy that you became attached to? Or you have this favorite item that you become attached to? We have these things that we grow attached to because we're fond of some memories that it brought us. I have a pocket knife that my grandfather had that I have with me. And I grew attached to it only because I remember a lot of the memories of my grandfather and being able to have his pocket knife reminded me of all kinds of things that he taught me with that knife, especially whittling or fixing things or, or just remember him pulling out a splinter using his pocket knife. How do we grow into attachment? And how does attachment work with us in regards to relationships? Well, attachment relationships works a little differently, but almost the same. It's interesting because I received an email in psychology today that says, help, I need help sorting things out. And this person goes on to say, says, I need to sort some things out with what I'm seeing. I have narcissistic abuse parents and family, and I don't have any contact. And I thought all was great until I think my new boyfriend is another toxic person. Do I attract them or just tolerate them? Help. You know, I appreciate the person who contacted me, and unfortunately, I wasn't able to be a lot of help, only because I don't have a lot of information. Because do we attract what we are, used to have in our life? It's what I call kind of imprinting. You know, we're we're surrounded by what we're used to being and seeing, and and so the old saying birds of a feather flock together, is true. So when you think about attachment, it's it's what we are used to being around. In other words, what if you take a kitten who never opened its eyes and you place it next to a mother dog who is very nurturing and caring, 
but it's a dog. And as the kitten grows older and opens its eyes, it starts mimicking dog-type techniques. Now, I have a cat, or had a cat, I should say, that I can throw a ball. And it would go fetch the ball and bring it back. I do that for my dog. He wouldn't bring it back. I guess that's the reason why I never played golf. It's almost the same thing. You hit the ball out, and you got to go chase the ball, right? If you love golf, great. I, I'm so happy that you're able to find some kind of relaxing technique to get your aggression on a little white ball that didn't do anything as you hit it, and you got to go chase it. I'm not a good hide-and-seek type person because a white ball in a white sky, forget it. It blends in. I lose it. I'd much rather play baseball or softball, something bigger that I can keep my eye on. All right. Got off topic, but I'm having a ball with this discussion. Boom, boom. Okay. So when you think about the attachment, right, it goes back to Dr. Bobby and, and what has happened. But back in 1975, and you can look this up on YouTube, and it's called the still face experiment. They did this experiment to kind of see child development, kind of see what's going to happen with this mother and its child. And they wanted to do three minutes of uh, interaction. And what happens when they told the mother to be non-responsive, not to be any sh uh, showing of expression? And what happens is the child becomes frustrated. And when it, it continues to try to get the mother's attention, because it doesn't like to still face. It needs that interaction. So the baby begins to withdraw and it orients its face and body away from his mother to withdraw. And it's a hopeless facial expression and the baby becomes rejected. So when it comes to your children, I want you to think about what this does for your children because that's where attachment begins. In a normal, healthy setting, when a baby starts to make a smile, our natural tendency is to smile back. And when that baby makes an ooh face because it needs to have um, burped or a diaper change, we make the same kind of ooh face, but then a smile because it's all better again. So we're building attachment. And so if you, if you watch, this um, YouTube video, and he and he talks about what is happening between the child and the mother. Now, what does that have to do with today? Attachment styles and growing up, right, determine how your attachment style is going to be with your future partner and with relationships with other people. For example, codependency and narcissism is what we call a human magnet because they really attract and draw to one another. The narcissist is all about me, but the codependent needs that, that attention. And so it, it's going to go to please. And so the narcissist gaslights and it's what I call the bending spoon effect. It bends back and forth. In other words, I'm going to give and take back. I'm going to give and take back. But the codependent, it is stimulated by that. 
And so it's challenging and difficult if you're a people pleaser to break from that. And that's part of attachment style. You know, Bowlby believed that because of this evolution of infants and toddlers were monitoring, monitoring, monitoring their parent to see what strategies would allow them to stay close. And when you think about the four attachment styles, right? There's one that's called secure. There's one that's called avoidant or anxious avoidant in children. Anxious, they're preoccupied or anxious ambivalent in children. Disorganized or fearful avoidant in children. So one needs to understand avoidant and anxious and disorganized are considered insecure attachment styles. So if a child is consistently relying on the parents, right, to fulfill their needs growing up, and the parents are fulfilling that and providing a safe space where they can express their emotions freely, then they develop a secure attachment style. On the other hand, insecure attachment styles like the avoiding anxious and disorganized develop if a child has had a strained bond with their caregivers. And this happens when the child learns that they may not be able to rely on others to fulfill basic needs and comfort. Recently, I had lunch with a dear friend of mine, and he was discussing a time about how do I talk to my son-in-law about how he talks to my grandson. And I said, what do you mean? And he says they were eating at one point in time, and his grandson had popped up and said something. And his father had told him to be quiet. Now is not the time. Eat your dinner. And he says his grandson had this clenched jaw and just bowed his head, and he can tell he was very frustrated. And I said, when this happens, call attention to it. When I worked inpatient, I'll pause there for a second. When I worked inpatient, we dealt with attachment styles, reactive attachment disorders and attachment disorders. And we used a Dr. Daniel Hughes dialectical behavioral therapy to where he, he, um, he wrote this book called Brain-Based Parenting. Uh, again, that book is called Brain-Based Parenting. And I enjoy this book because he talks about using a technique called PACE, P-A-C-E. P for playful, A for accepting, C for curious, E for empathy. If you want to develop a healthy attachment style, remember, it's providing a safe place for this child can be able to express its emotions. And I explained to him, try pace, being playful. Well, what does that mean? Well, the child comes home and he says, today sucked. I hate school. Instead of saying, hey, you shouldn't talk like that or try to correct the child in its motions, be playful, match it. Oh my gosh, it sounds like you had a really rough day. I'm so sorry. What made today tough? So you're going to be playful, 
you're going to accept where that child is and just acknowledge it. Acknowledge how they're feeling and their emotions. It's no different than you becoming upset when your boss comes in and gives you a different task. That child needs to learn how to develop into their emotional state. Kids are a blank slate. They need to be taught how to manage their emotions more effectively. But if a parent shuts them down, it's hard for that child to develop healthy and secure attachments in their relationships. And being playful. Oh my gosh, today sounds really hard for you. Accept it. And then you become curious. I really want to know what happened. Would you like to talk about it? And of course, a kid wants to talk about it because they're emotionally round up. And most of the time they will. But if you allow them time and space, they'll come and talk to you about what happened. But be curious. One of the things that I do try to talk about in my therapy sessions is not to talk to a, your child and say, well, why did that happen? If your boss comes to you and says, well, why did you do that? Listen to the tone and how that comes out. Can you explain why this happened? When you think about the question, why, in my opinion, why brings about judgment, right? It, it judges you. And it's easy to blame it. Anytime you ask a child why, you're going to get four questions. I mean, four answers. And those four answers are, I don't know, lie, blame, or excuse. And when a child feels judged, how do they build attachment? Because they feel rejected. And feel judged. So when you're curious... Hey, I'm just curious. Tell me, tell me about your day to day. Well, the teacher just yelled, and teacher did this, and teacher did that, and you repeat back. Wow! So the teacher did do that. You try to lower your voice and bring it calm to see if that child will follow you. If they can, if you can bring them down by changing your tone of voice and remain calm. Naturally, a child should be able to follow you because they're being heard. And as you're talking with them, you want to be providing empathy. Empathy in such a way that you're not taking over the conversation, but empathy to let them know you recognize they're hurting. And again, that creates a safe space. And as I explained to my friend, it's be curious. I can see by your reaction that you're really hurt. And I'm so sorry that you're hurt. Would you like to tell me what it is that you're hurt about? So if we can change the why, why did you do that? Now, I explained to my parents that, yeah, you see the lamp broken in the living room, right? And you're mad and angry. Don't display that. I know it's hard. I know it's difficult. And as a parent, looking back, I did become upset. 
But as the older I've gotten and dealing with my children and so forth, I change my attitude because I became a therapist about 10 years ago. And so I changed that, right? So it looks like that when we change, the child becomes more accepting. So I said, ask him. And then distract that child. Get him to do, get him or her to go do something so that you can immediately talk to the son-in-law or the or, or or whatever, if it's your son or son-in-law or daughter, and etc. Say, look, did you notice your child's effect when you told him to be quiet? His how his facial expressions came about. There's where attachment begins. If we tell a child to shut up, don't want to hear it, we create attachment disorders within that child. Part of the reason why I became a therapist is to understand my own attachment. Because growing up, that's one of the things that I've always, always brought up on was children to be seen, not heard. When I try to explain something, it's your back talking. So allowing your child to get them to appropriately express their emotion. Okay. And it's remembering not to take it personal. Remember, you have childhood hurts too. And it's like somebody touching that porcupine quill that's been in there for years that never was pulled out or healed properly, right? And uh, somebody reaches up and touches your arm and you feel hurt and you project that hurt. Well, you hurt me. So it's the same thing as a child. A child, remember, is a clean slate. So we have to coach and teach this child how to deal with their emotions. And that goes back into that attachment theory of what has happened between the mother and the baby when the mother didn't want to display any type of emotion. When you go back into Germany and the, the ugly time period of the Nazis and how they were treating the Jews, they also experimented back then. And that was a horrible way of learning about attachment, how physical human touch is so important that they separated the Jew babies from the German babies, and they found out that they held the, the German babies more. And when they ignored the Jew babies, they died. So developing a healthy and secure bonds is important, especially for children so that they can develop in a healthy ways of attachment. Because what happens is, is in, in, and according to a 2018 study, what's interesting is the women scored higher on anxiety, but men scored higher on avoidance when it came to relationship. And when you think about it, it's because of how they were raised and how their attachment styles develop as they got older.
and it's talking about emotional available. You, you ever had a, um, a relationship where this person was emotionally unavailable? And sometimes we really don't know what that is. Well, when you think about the three attachment styles that we talked about, indifference, avoidance, and detachment, these are three signs of emotional unavailability. And if you can learn how to spot them quickly, it will save you from having a toxic relationship. So what's emotional unavailability? In other words, it's a person who doesn't respond to your emotional needs or cues. It's an emotionally unavailable man or woman who has persistent difficulty expressing or handling emotions. And especially getting close to other people. Now, from what I explained to you already, can you understand how some people, or maybe even you, have trouble getting emotionally close to other people? Why? Because as a child, you depended on a primary relationship, a bond, right? And all of a sudden, that bond is broken. They did another study as far as attachment when they had a mother who was pregnant and their child was three or four years of age. Now, remember, attachment builds upon birth to about three or four years of age, depending on the development of the child. So they did an experiment just to see what would happen. And of course, it was all voluntary. The, the lady was pregnant and they put her in the hospital for a month. Of course, her three-year-old child wasn't able to come visit because the mother was in the hospital. And what they found was, is that month or two being away created an attachment issue. Anxiety. Where's my mom? And it's hard to explain to a child where mom is because they're tangible. They're visual. And some of the attachment is starting to wear off and they become anxious. And so that's how some of the other attachments become developed in adults later as dysfunctional. Now, can, can these be worked on? Sure, because I'm living proof. And I'm going to close out a little bit about myself and revealing that at one time, it, I became a therapist because I wanted to be able to help people understand about relationships. I enjoy helping adolescents and their, and their parents. I enjoy couple and marital therapy and helping people to figure out who they are and finding their identity. And especially women, you ever felt like I lost my identity in my relationship? And it's because of your attachment style and about building healthy boundaries. And so when I was younger, I would have these experiences of not being able to express my emotion because it was to them back talking only because I wanted to learn why, what was causing this to be done? How come it had to be this way? And when you have 
totalitarian type parents, you do this or else, well, by golly, you got to do what else. But I was stubborn back then. But I also had an attachment issue. And the attachment issue that I had was because I was close to my father. But when I was about a year and a half to two years of age, he had to go to Thailand during the Vietnam War. And when he came back after a year of being stationed there, I had difficulty in recognizing him. So that created an attachment issue. So as I got older, I had an attachment issue. And so I wanted to be able to um, have intimacy, acceptance, being able to have what I call words of affirmation. So it caused an insecure attachment style for me. Now, as I've gotten older and went through my own therapy and received some help, and then later I became a therapist, I began to understand my attachment style to where now my attachment style is more secure. And I'm comfortable with who I am as a person. But it's important for you to know who you are as a, as a person so that you can build healthy boundaries for yourself so you can be able to develop a secure attachment. Is it possible? It's possible. Seek a therapist that will help to develop a sense of who you are and start working on the emotions that you have. And you know what? One of the things that I, I found for myself is that I blame myself for a lot of things that weren't mine to own. And when you begin to realize that you don't have to own those emotions, you become secure in yourself. And understanding it wasn't my fault that because my dad went away. As a child, you don't realize it. And subconsciously, I blame myself for my dad's disappearance. And so it became a rocky situation because I never did bond with my mother. And that's a whole lot of different story about attachment. So in the next few segments of attachment, we're going to talk about the various different attachment styles, what they look like as a child so that you can understand how attachment develops in a specific child in a certain way. And then we're going to talk about that specific attachment. And what does that look like in our relationships? What causes us to gravitate towards the relationships that we do? And how do we handle certain arguments in our relationship? How do we deal emotionally? Do we avoid the emotion? Or can we handle the emotion? Stay tuned till next week. It's been a pleasure and hopefully Julia will be with us. Until next time, be blessed. Thanks for joining us today. We hope to have you back next week. Until then, be safe and be kind.